Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, the trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Julia. Hi. Are you frozen to the bone yet? Um, Pretty much. It's been Siberia here oh my in gosh. Um, Western New York for the it's, last couple weeks. It's been so cold. I almost wore my sleep onesie here. I <laughs> hand, hand to God, I almost wore it with a cardigan and a bra because, well, you know, we're in mixed company. Yeah. But then I was like, assortment of (laughs) random clothing. But I didn't, and the only reason why I didn't was because it's actually too thin to wear (laughs) to wear outside, (laughs) which is why it's a sleep onesie. Ah, yeah. By onesie, Lauren does not mean like a sleep sack for an infant. I think she's talking about like a it's a union union suit, a union suit. Yes, Mm -hmm. but I call it my sleep onesie. And it is the best $15 I've ever spent. It's so soft. It's got a drawstring waist that you can leave untied if you're feeling Ooh. especially cozy. It's got um, elastic at the wrists and ankles. It's perfect. Just best. really holds it right in. Yeah. Holds everything in. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So, yeah, if you're anything like us um, mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, uh, you also have been frozen um it's awful inside or you know you don't want to go outside at all ever um i saw a really cool picture this week of there have been waves of the ocean up near massachusetts um and as they have been coming to shore they have been freezing and they call them slushy waves slushy waves because they are the consistency of a 7-eleven like slushy (laughs) as they um as they come to the shore and then they freeze in place wow yeah that's too cold yeah we shouldn't live here no one should live here because the ocean doesn't really freeze well yeah because the salt content correct? yeah exactly yeah. so uh that inspired me and that's what we're going to talk about this week salt well <laughs> the ocean oh great. we're gonna take to the sea so what the experts call the world ocean Ooh. It's the global ocean that okay. is the interconnected system of the Earth's oceanic waters. Sure. And it um, comprises the bulk of what we call the hydrosphere, which is <gasps> the amount of water on Earth. Sure. So it's um, a little over 139 million square miles wow. um, that covers about 70% of the Earth's surface. Um, also, 70% of the oxygen we breathe is produced by the ocean. Oh, cool. So they go hand in hand. So, Lauren. How many oceans are there? You don't have to name them. Just tell me how many. Seven. What? Well, (laughs) (laughs) don't don't ask me and then scoff at my answer. I thought you were going to say four. (laughs) Are there only four? Okay. Well, okay. So this is what I'm thinking. I was Uh thinking as many oceans as there are are continents, but apparently I'm wrong. No, that's not right. I'm sorry. Well, good. You're here for this episode. Okay, great. I'm good. I'm thank God <laughs> I'm, I'm here. So much. Jeez. Uh, so, if you're anything like me, you thought there were only four oceans. <laughs> sorry, I thought nope. there were seven. <laughs> nope. There's five of them. Okay. So, uh, in descending order by area, you have the Pacific Ocean, which is the biggest. Okay. It's very big. Yeah. Oh the yeah. The Pacific, then the Atlantic, then the Indian. Sure. Then the Southern Ocean. What? Then the Arctic, which is the smallest. Sure. So the Southern Ocean what? is the ocean around Antarctica. What? And they didn't come to a consensus that this was its own ocean until 2002. So this what? is af- basically after we were in like elementary school and Yeah, and so we wouldn't have learned that. Yeah. Okay. But 
I think a couple years ago when I heard there was a fifth ocean, I was very confused. Yeah. Like ev- like more confused when they, t- you know, than when they told me that Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. That's, you know? a, first of all, it's a lie perpetuated by NASA, <laughs> but that's something that we can talk about in a later episode. <laughs> So now yeah. I feel stupid for saying seven oceans no, because you're right. No, we learned people talk four. about the seven seas. A oh lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so there All are right. way more than seven seas, guys. We're, that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about today too. So we have the five oceans. Okay. Pacific is the biggest. Arctic is the smallest. Um, so we talk about sea levels often. Yes. You know, we talk about it in geology and, you know, when we talk about mountains and elevations and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So sea level is not the same around the world. Wait, what? (laughs) It's not the same. There's not like one sea level. It's like, uh, wherever you're the closest to is sea level. Yeah. That's dumb. You think that would be like a standard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the Indian ocean is technically 300 feet below sea level. What? How is that even possible? Yeah. I, uh. Yeah. <laughs> and the North Atlantic is 200 feet above sea level. Even though it's like at the sea level, it's still higher than. Where is it then? Yeah. So um, then we have the deepest part of the ocean. So oh, the regions from below 20,000 feet to the very bottom of the deepest sea trench is known as the Hadal Zone. H-A-D-A-L. Hadal zone. So it's named after Hades, oh, the underworld of Greek mythology that. and um, the god that presides over it. So the majority of the Hadal zone is made up of plunging trenches that are formed by shifting tectonic plates. Um, and to measure the very deepest parts of the ocean, scientists use bomb sounding, which what? is a technique where they throw TNT into the no. ocean trenches. <laughs> and then the echo is recorded from a nearby boat. And this allows scientists to estimate the depth of what they call the seabed hydrosphere. Okay, there's, there's got to be a better way <laughs> than just throwing bombs into trenches in the ocean. That's, that's how they do it. Just like using sound waves then, yes. essentially. Yes. That's crazy. Again, just as a preface, I fear the ocean just as much as I fear space. Yes. It's deep, it's dark, it's vast, and cold. A lot of things could go wrong. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's no oxygen down there, Julia. You can't breathe. <laughs> can't. That's and one of many no issues. No one can hear you scream. Nope. <laughs> the deepest part of the ocean, that's the the, the very deepest that mm-hmm. we know of is the Mariana Trench. Okay. So that's in the Pacific Ocean. It's near Guam and the Federated States of Micronesia, also nearby the Philippines and Japan. So the Mariana Trench is a crescent-shaped scar in the Earth's crust. It measures about 580 miles long and about 43 miles wide on average. And it reaches a maximum known depth of 36,070 feet. That's no. about seven miles deep. No. And it's at a very small slot-shaped valley in its floor known as the Challenger Deep. That's where this is the this is the deepest. I'm already getting like a panic so, attack. For comparison, <laughs> if Mount Everest were dropped into the trench at okay. the Challenger Deep point, okay. its peak would still be over one mile underwater. Oh my God. Only three people have ever made it to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Two scientists in 1960 and film director James Cameron in 2012. You know, James Cameron, that guy, he, he won't leave anything alone. No. <laughs> he is the worst. That, oh, just that, those statistics, just like, I can, I like, I just, I'm starting to have a panic attack. Just yeah. Well, thinking we don't about have it. to go there. No, I'll never have to no. go. That's the thing. Yes, you're right. No. Thank you. Uh, and again, to put this into perspective, there have been more men on the moon than at the bottom of the Mariana yes, Trench. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, most of the ocean 
we'll say most of the ocean is made up of salt water. Yeah. So okay. salt water is denser than both freshwater and pure water because the dissolved salts increase the mass by a larger proportion than the volume. Mm-hmm. So the most abundant dissolved ions in seawater are sodium, chloride, magnesium, sulfate, and calcium. Ooh, okay. Um, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's the NOAA, mm. our oceans hold about 20 million pounds of gold suspended <gasps> in normal seawater. We got to get that gold. <laughs> we got to start panning the oceans. <laughs> there have been like a lot of schemes over, I would say in the last couple hundred years sure. that for you know people to invest in these companies that yeah. are going to be able to mine gold out of seawater um but it's it's basically spread out like parts per trillion oh sure so, yeah um they say each liter of seawater contains on average about 13 billionths of a gram of gold oh my god yeah it would be impossible to, yeah. to harvest any of that yeah it would cost more money than to get yeah take a while all right, so we know about the tides. Yes. Right? So uh, tides are the regular rise and fall in water level that is experienced by seas and oceans in response to the gravitational influences of the moon and the sun, mm. um, as well as the effects of the Earth's rotation. So at any given place, the water rises over the course of the tidal cycle to a maximum height known as high tide Mm. before ebbing away again to the minimum low tide level. So as the water recedes, it uncovers more and more of the foreshore or intertidal zone. Uh, Most places have um, two high tides a day that occur at intervals at about um, 12 hours and 25 minutes, which is half the period that it takes for the earth to make a complete revolution and return the moon to its previous position relative to an observer. Okay. So approximately twice a month. Um, So at the new and the full moon, the sun, the moon, and the earth form a line. This okay. configuration is known as a syzygy. That's S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. That's the it's name of great, our band. It's a great Scrabble word. Yep. It's a great crossword puzzle clue. Um, it is also the company name that um, the founders of Atari actually wanted to name their company syzygy. And then it turns out there was like already one out there. So they, you Well, know, it's such a cool switched. word. Yeah. There's no way. So yeah, a syzygy is when the sun, moon, and earth form a line. That's a great name. Yeah. Um, so twice a month when this syzygy happens at the new and the full moon, uh, the tides range is at its maximum, and this is called the spring tide. So okay. it's not named for the season, but it's really more for the meaning, like to jump, to spring forth, to, oh, r- to okay. rise, like a natural spring. Um, and when the moon is at the first quarter or the third quarter, the sun and the moon are separated by 90 degrees when viewed from the earth. So the solar tide force partially cancels the moons and at these points in the lunar cycle the tides range is at its minimum and this is called the neap tide tide. n-e-a-p um that's an anglo-saxon word meaning without the power that's a good word that is a good word i (laughs) like that neap tide another word that you will see pop up in crossword puzzles and you know yeah it's just good to good to know neap tide yeah okay cool 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 so it's weaker Yes. So the neap tide is weaker and the spring tide is more is more is, powerful. Yes. Okay. It's this maximum force. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. So I talk about, I've been kind of talking about oceans and I will talk about seas kind of interchangeably. So a sure. sea is a division of an ocean. Okay. And the official definition is that it is partially enclosed by islands, archipelagos, or peninsulas adjacent to or widely open to the open ocean at the surface and slash or bounded by submarine ridges on the seafloor. Basically, okay. uh, the subdivisions of the oceans are called seas. So, so for example, the Mediterranean Sea mm-hmm. is open to the Atlantic. Yes. But it's still a sea because it's f- mostly contained yes. by 
islands exactly. and countries. Oh, See, I'm a good listener. You're rolling right along. Oh, man. Um, so there are also several terms used for bulges of ocean that result from indentations of land, which overlap in definition. So you'll also hear uh, the words bay, gulf, fjord, bite, B-I-G-H-T, um, sound, and cove also okay. used as yep, like yep. minor subdivisions of seas. So today i'm going to talk about some of the major seas of the world there are again there are more than seven um i talk about where they are why you might know them and um i've tried to come up with some fun phrases for you to try Ooh. to remember where they are fun so, phrases about seas mm, get ready I never thought you know what as a little girl growing up i never thought that i would be here <laughs> that you would have this day that, that this I day would, would have, come yeah, yeah but i'm thrilled <laughs> so first we'll start with the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. So around the Americas, around North and South America, we have the Bay of Fundy. Mm. This is a bay between the Canadian provinces of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. It has a small portion touching the state of Maine. Uh, so the Bay of Fundy has the highest tidal range in the world with water levels rising and falling by as much as 48 feet a oh day. Oh my God. Wow. That's like you, you, can't, can't, build, that. you can't build anything no. near there. No, it's underwater after Basically. that. Basically, yeah, it's crazy. Forty so, feet. So yeah, it's um, it's you know, it's basically Canadian. Yeah. Uh, the sentence I came up with to help you remember, like, you can have a real fun day in Nova Scotia. Oh my god, that's where it is. It's Nova Scotia, New, New Brunswick, and Maine. I'm closing my eyes to this. Yes. Have a real fun day. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fun day. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, <laughs> Baffin Bay. Okay. So that's a marginal sea of the North Atlantic Ocean. It's located between Baffin Island and the southwest coast of Greenland. So okay. the bay is not navigable most of the year because of the ice cover and the high density of floating ice and icebergs in the open areas. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? It's Baffin. Why anyone would try to navigate it? Oh my God. Is this just going to be a series of puns? Oh yeah. Because I don't know if... Just, just wait. I want them to stick into your head. Oh, sure. And so that when sure. a trivia question comes up no, I- and we're like... I don't remember I get it, where yeah. that is. Yeah. You get this little thing that pops into your head sure, no, and I, you can at I least. <laughs> Something you should know about me is that I'm not a huge fan of puns. I don't know why. I Well, I mean, when I discovered that you loved puns <laughs> and you discovered I hated puns, our friendship was we almost, almost broke up, was almost torn asunder. <laughs> and it was too, it was very late in our friendship. I mean, it was in like the past year that we were like, <gasps> you, you, are a punner and you were like you hate puns (laughs) it's okay no you know what this is your episode yeah this is your thing and you know what you're right i will remember this i will hate myself for remembering it but i will remember it and that's all that matters so please of um being good at trivia is memorizing things and having mnemonics for things and having dumb phrases sure yes absolutely okay here's here's one that i learned from the show good job brain Love it. Um, how to remember the order of the Canadian provinces from west to east. Okay. Is the mnemonic, Billy and Sally make our queen nervous playing near needles. Okay. So the B is British Columbia. The A is Alberta. Uh-huh. The um, S is Saskatchewan and so forth. Yes. So I'm not going to name them all. Yeah, no, that's fine. Because we're not talking. regularly. Yeah, trivia. that's true. You d- you do, and you're the only one who knows all of the provinces of Canada because of that. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll. You know what? Mea culpa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut my mouth and I will listen to your puns and I will memorize them. You'll do so please it. continue. All Baffin. right. We're still near Canada. You have the Labrador Sea, okay, which is a sea. 
Yeah. Eh. Mm-hmm. It's the body of water between Greenland and the coast of Labrador, Canada. So the salinity there is pretty low and two thirds of the sea is covered in ice in the wintertime. Um, I don't have a pun for that because Labrador is... It's a fun word. It's where it is. Yes. Yeah. The Labrador Sea borders Labrador, Canada. Okay. Okay. Uh, with the Caribbean Sea. We all know the Caribbean Sea, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a sea of the Atlantic Ocean in the tropics of the Western Hemisphere. So um, it's bounded by Mexico and Central America to the west and southwest, as the north by the Greater Antilles, starting with Cuba, um, to the east by the Lesser Antilles, and to the south by the north coast of South America. So it is one of the largest seas. It has an area of about um, a little over a million square miles. Wow. And the sea's deepest point is in the Cayman Trough between the Cayman Islands and Jamaica. That's about 25,000 feet below sea level. Oh my God. Um, the Caribbean Sea has the world's second biggest barrier reef, which is called the Mesoamerican Barrier Reef, which runs about 620 miles along the coasts of Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, and Honduras. So that's why you'll hear people talk about like they love to go snorkeling and all that around there because oh, yeah, they have sure. this, this great reef uh, and marine like ecosystem down there. Cool. So after the Caribbean was visited by Christopher Columbus in 1493, uh, Spain claimed the area and its ships searched for treasure. So with the Spanish discovery of the Pacific Ocean in 1513, the Caribbean became the main route of their expeditions and later their convoys. So there were pirates and warships of rival powers that preyed on the Spanish ships in the Caribbean. And although Spain controlled most of the sea, you had Britain, France, the Netherlands, and Denmark, which established colonies on the islands along the eastern fringe of the Caribbean. And then the 1800s brought U.S. ships into the Caribbean, especially after 1848, when many of the gold seekers crossed the sea there to reach California by way of Panama. And oh, we'll talk yeah. about that in mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, as of 2015, the area is home to 22 island territories and it borders 12 continental countries. So the Caribbean is big. Yeah. And we all have a general idea of where it is. Sure. Absolutely. So I don't have a punny phrase for you there either um, now Sorry. i'm disappointed yeah <laughs> all right the sargasso sea Ooh, have you heard I of this love that yes okay. i love it wasn't it a book maybe i'm wrong yeah something about the sargasso yeah, there's sea a book with it sure in it, oh no i'm in I'm the sure. title no i know what you're yeah, talking, you know what I'm about. talking about yeah okay. i'll look it up and yeah. then yeah so um, the Sargasso Sea is a region of the North Atlantic Ocean that is bounded by four currents. So it forms an ocean gyre, which is a large system of circulating ocean currents, particularly those involved with large wind movements. So um, unlike all of the other regions that are called seas, the Sargasso Sea has no land boundaries. It's oh. basically like an own body of water in the middle of the ocean, but okay. it's surrounded by its boundaries are currents. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So um, unlike the harsh cold climate of the North Atlantic, the Sargasso Sea is strangely warm. <gasps> and the temperature of the water inside the sea is much higher than the water like on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. And the Sargasso Sea is named for a type of seaweed that's found there. And also there are a lot of eels that are born there that eventually migrate to fresh water in Europe. Oh. Um, so it's, it's also kind of... Um, uh, people relate it to like the Bermuda Triangle kind of oh, because okay. there's all this weird currents and this, you know, the water's weird and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe people's ships have disappeared in that area. And, you know, when people talk about the Bermuda Triangle, Ooh. a lot of it is mm, it's very close to where the Sargasso Sea is. And so it might have something to do with it. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the book that we were referring mm-hmm. to is called Wide Sargasso Sea mm-hmm. and it's by Jean Reese. There you go. I have not read it. I'm sure it's excellent. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's still in print today. Yes, I'm sure it is. So um, for you to remember this, mm. the Sargasso Sea, it's kind of like a gas because it doesn't have any boundaries. <laughs> now, are we talking about gas like the 1950s? Like, whoosh, like no, like, oh, like it's, it's nebulous. Yeah, it doesn't okay. have any boundaries. Oh, I like boundaries. that. Okay, yeah. I like that. So moving on um, to like the Atlantic parts that touch like Europe and Africa and Asia. So you have the North Sea. This is actually very important. The North Sea. It's an area of the Atlantic Ocean located between Great Britain, Scandinavia and Germany, as well as the Netherlands, Belgium and France. So it's a shelf sea on the European continental shelf and it connects the ocean through the English Channel in the south and the Norwegian Sea in the north. So the North Sea has had a very strong influence on European history. So because of its long coastline and the river that empty into it. It has been readily accessible to many areas, providing highways of commerce and of conquest. And it was the scene of early development of maritime trade. And its waters have actually protected the British Isles from invasion from the continent for more than a thousand years. So in the north, you have deep fjords and sheer cliffs that mark the Norwegian and Scottish coastlines. And then in the south, the coast consists primarily of sandy beaches and wide mudflats. So um, if you hear a trivia question and they're talking about waters nearby and you know the answer is not just the english channel it's probably the north, north sea. sea okay good to know yeah. then you have the baltic sea which is the sea of the atlantic ocean enclosed by scandinavia finland the baltic countries and the north and central european plain so according to the wwf um the panda one not the wrestling not Foundation. the wrestling one okay yeah. great um <laughs> it is the youngest sea on our planet it emerged from the retiring ice masses only some 10,000 to 15,000 years ago that is young he's very young it's a baby sea <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, composed of salt water from the Northeast Atlantic and fresh water from rivers and streams that drain from an area four times larger than the sea itself. So um, the Baltic states, when we talk about that, that's like Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania. Okay. Um, so if I want you to think of the dog Balto and how he spent a lot of time with lots of ice. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah Balto. Uh -huh. Um a fact that I didn't know until I started doing some research th this week, the um, MV Wilhelm Gustloff. It was a German military transport ship that was sunk on January 30th, 1945 by okay. Soviet submarine S-13 in the Baltic Sea while evacuating German civilians, Nazi officials, and military personnel as the Red Army advanced. Mm. By one estimate... 9,400 people died. What? Making this the largest loss of life in a single ship sinking in history. There were 9,000 people on that ship? How big yes. was this friggin' ship? Big enough for 9,000 people. Holy crap. Yeah. And it was, um, it was mostly, I would say mostly Nazis that were trying to escape as the Soviets were coming in. So a ton of Nazis sank ton in the of Baltic Nazis sank. I, that's, We're not that sad about no, it. No, I'm not. I, yeah, I but I've never nothing. heard of it. And apparently the Germans really tried to like keep this on the down oh, yeah, low. Of course, they didn't want people, they didn't want people to know that like, you know, 9,000 of their people had died. 9,000? Yeah. yeah. Holy, there were more people on that ship than there were in the town I grew up in. <laughs> Granted, it was Gasport, New York. Shout out to Gasport. There are only 1,800 people there. Wow. Yeah. I think it was 1,800. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure. It was not a lot of people. <laughs> not a lot. But yeah. Wow. So yeah, the single largest loss of life in a single ship sinking was in the Baltic Sea. Has it, it was been dived full on? Of Germans. Has they, have they like gone down there? That's a great question. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it. We'll know. leave it a mystery for now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, moving that a little a little more into warmer waters, you have the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. So this mm. is the overall encompassing name. There are many seas within the Mediterranean Sea. What? Which can be a little confusing here. Yes. So the Mediterranean Sea is the sea connected to the Atlantic Ocean, surrounded by the Mediterranean Basin, and almost completely enclosed by land. So the north, you have Southern Europe and Anatolia, which is Turkey. Um, on the south, you have North Africa. And on the east, you have the Levant, which is the Eastern Mediterranean. So the name Mediterranean is actually derived from the Latin Mediterraneus, meaning inland or in the middle of land. Mm-hmm. So you might hear of something referred to as a Mediterranean Sea without it being this the particular one because Mediterranean just actually means inland. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So the the proper one, the capital M yes. Mediterranean, capital S-C, covers an approximate area of about 965,000 square miles. Um, but it's one connection to the Atlantic Ocean, which is called the Strait of Gibraltar. It is only about 8.7 miles wide. So oh, wow. um, the Strait of Gibraltar, it's the narrow strait that connects the Atlantic Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea, and it separates Gibraltar and Spain and Europe from Morocco and Africa. So the, the bits and pieces that make up the Mediterranean. You have the Adriatic Sea. So that separates the Italian peninsula from the Balkan peninsula. The Adriatic is the northernmost arm of the Mediterranean Sea. It extends from the Strait of Otranto to the northwest and the Po Valley. Mm -hmm. So the countries with coasts on the Adriatic are Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Italy, Montenegro, and Slovenia. So Mm. here's here's how you should remember (laughs) where it is. Yo, Adrian. So like, so like Rocky Balboa, yeah, the Italian yep. stallion. I, I know him well. The he Adriatic I- Sea is like on the coast of Italy. That's very good. Yeah. No, you know what? It's gonna. I'm on board you're gonna that. remember it. I am. Okay. Sylvester Stallone and I. Here's an interesting tidbit. We share a birthday. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like we're actually cousins. Yeah, he's you, my cousin. Yep. Old Sly Stallone, my cousin. No, we share a birthday, July sixth. Have you ever like sent him any? like fan mail i should send him a ba- i should send him a card i'll send him a birthday card I'll send him a birthday card Aww. dear sly happy birthday to us love lauren <laughs> with a business card inside. yeah with a business yeah. card inside that says listen to our <laughs> listen to our podcast miss info podcast. shout out to sylvester sloan <laughs> if you would like to be on our podcast we're not proud you can come on our po- <laughs> it's like the fourth time you said that today. i know <laughs> But we're not, Julia. Oh, we're, that's oh, true. Oh, we're not. Email us at missinfopod at gmail.com, <laughs> Mr. Stallone. Free, that's that's free advertising for your upcoming projects, regardless oh, of what they oh, are. Oh, and he's, he's hosting, sidebar, he's hosting the um, Ultimate Beastmaster Get on out. Netflix. Is it's, he really? Yeah. He's he like can the, promote it. He's like the... Uh, the narrator at the beginning of oh, the show. Okay, so he's the presenter or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't see him the whole time. Sure, but, but I mean, you know, that's the last time I saw him on my screen. Yeah, he's not. He hasn't been doing much. No. So he has time to come and see us. We'll even let him Skype in. Oh, sure. Yeah, the Italian stallion can come on Miss Infopod and talk about anything he wants. <laughs> including the adriatic sea yes which is where we were just were thank you for bringing us back julia uh another one you should know is the aegean sea mm-hmm. a-e-g-e-a-n so that's an elongated embayment of the mediterranean located between the mainlands of turkey and greece um so it contains more than three thousand islands and is considered the home of the earliest european civilizations it has been an extremely important area um in trading and and yep. you know history yeah sure. so um to remember where the aegean sea is 
A is for Anatolia, which is Turkey. Oh, good. And the G is Greece. So A G in. Great. Yep. Yeah, that's I where love it, it is. Um, you have the Ionian Sea, mm-hmm. uh, another elongated embayment of the Mediterranean. It is south of the Adriatic. It is bounded by southern Italy to the west, southern Albania to the north, and the west coast of Greece. And all the major islands in the sea belong to Greece. So if you're thinking about architecture, you have those Ionian columns. Those are Greek. Yeah, those you are know? Greek. So yeah. the Ionian Sea is, is Greek. Greece. Great. Um, you have the Tyrrhenian Sea, T- okay. T-Y-R-R-H-E-N-I-A-N. Um, it's part of the Mediterranean off the western coast of Italy. It includes a number of small islands like Capri, Elba, and Ustica. Ustica? U-S-T-I-C-A. Ustica. 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 Oh, sure. I got a place for you to sticka. <laughs> hey oh. Um <laughs> anyway, so Elba's there. All right, yeah. Um, Abel was so, I. Abel was I air I saw Elba. Yes, yes. Great. <laughs> so um, if you think about Napoleon, he's kind of a tyrant. Yes. Uh, he was in exile in Elba, which was in the Tyrrhenian Sea. Great. Tyrant. I like that. Tyrrhenian. Great. Perfect. Um, you have the Black Sea. So that's the body of water between Eastern Europe, the Caucasus, and Western Asia. So the Black Sea has an area of about 168,000 square miles, maximum depth of 7,257 feet. Oh, wow. Constrained by the Pontic Mountains to the south and the Caucasus Mountains to the east, and it features a wide shelf to the northwest. So um, I'll talk about a little bit about the Black Sea in a bit. I have a question about the Caucasus. Because mm-hmm. we're Caucasian. Yes. Spoiler alert, we're white people. Um, Lauren and Julia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you didn't. <laughs> what what is the Caucasus? Oh, and, and why are we why are we considered Caucasus? What is that larger term? So derived from? Uh, the Caucasus, also called Caucasia. Yes, it's a region at the border of Europe and Asia. It's between the Black and the Caspian Sea, home to the Caucasus Mountains, sure, uh, which contain Europe's highest mountain, Mount Elbrus. Um, so. The countries that are in the Caucasus area, okay. you have a lot of like the like Western Asian, meaning like the things that used to be in the USSR. Oh, so okay. like Armenia and Azerbaijan and, you know, countries like that. And then like Turkey and Russia. And so that's where the Caucasus mountains are. Okay. And um, I guess that they assume that's where... Um, that's where... Where we're from? White people are from. <laughs> well, so, okay, that's very interesting. So we can say the Kardashians... Yeah. who are Armenian, yes. are Caucasian. Yes. Yes. That's very interesting. I mean, I, that's just, it's just a blanket <laughs> statement. I'm not trying to like make any... I'm like, any... is that just where you wanted to go with this? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're the most famous Armenians I know of. So... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, oh, and, and Cher is part Armenian, oh, yeah. I think. Yes. Famous, famously, yeah. Cher is Armenian and Native American in some somewhere she's well you know god bless her part angel yeah you know she is part angel (laughs) oh man um but yeah okay that's very interesting about the caucuses all right thank you julia thanks for pulling that out you're welcome yeah um with arctic ocean okay we have the barents sea b-a-r-e-n-t-s um so that's located off the northern coast of norway and russia divided between norwegian and russian territorial waters so to remember where the barents sea is Sergey's parents are Russian and Norwegian. <laughs> now you will remember. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> between Russia and Norway. That was a very indulgent accent you just <laughs> threw at me. Okay, Barents. Uh, the other major like sea of the Arctic Ocean is the Hudson Bay. Oh, yes. So um, that's a large body of salt water in northeastern Canada. Um, it has a surface area of about 470,000 square miles. It's often considered part of the Arctic Ocean. Um, it touches a really large area of Canada, including parts of Nunavut, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. And on the east, it's connected with the Atlantic Ocean by the Hudson Strait. Mm-hmm. And on the north, with the Arctic Ocean by the Fox Basin and by the Fury and Helka Strait. We don't want to go to the Fury and Helka Strait. Oh my God, what a badass I gotta learn strait, more about though. why it's called I that. I love that. Um, so the bay there, it's actually relatively shallow and it's considered an epicontinental or inland sea with an average depth of about 330 feet. So it's very shallow compared to some of the rest of these. Yeah, that's, you know, big, big that's pretty. So the Hudson yeah. Bay it's in Canada. There's also the Hudson Bay Company. Yes. Which is a very popular Canadian company that has, that makes wool products and stripes. And they're like hundreds and hundreds of years old, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been around for ages and ages. Since they were trading fur. Exactly. Since like trappers were up there. Um, But they're blankets and whatnot. There's a Hudson Bay company in Niagara-on-the-Lake. There's an outlet there. I don't think it's an outlet. I think you have to pay full price. Um, but outlet they, meaning like outpost. Yeah, outpost yeah. of the Hudson Bay Company, and you can buy everything striped in that like green, blue, How yellow, red stripe, which is very handsome. But they even I remember seeing like in the summer they even had a Barbie. It was a Hudson oh. Bay Barbie <laughs> with like the she was wearing a striped wool dress. That's cutesy. It's very like yeah. snooty. Apparently, there are not a lot of people that live like on the coast of the Hudson Bay just because the weather is awful yeah um and you can't really row your boat out there because it's you know (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty shallow and it's just very cold yeah cold puddle you're sitting yeah basically there that's how you can remember the hudson bay it's a big cold puddle big old canadian puddle uh with the indian ocean uh you have the bay of bengal Okay. It's the largest bay in the world. It has water flowing straight out of the Himalayas through the Bengal region. It's pretty triangular. Um, it's bordered by India to the west, northwest, and east. It has Myanmar or Burma to the east. You know, It'll always, it's always be Burma be- to me. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, and Sri Lanka is in the southwest. So um, it has Bangladesh to the north and Indonesia to the southeast as well. And it's an area of about 839,000 square miles. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of large rivers. Um, you have the Ganges. You sure. have the three major rivers of Bangladesh, which are the Padma, the Jamuna, and the Meghna. And other rivers like the Irrawaddy, the Godavari, the Mahanadi. I'll talk about rivers in another episode, guys. Because um, there's a lot of rivers there's out there. There's a lot of rivers. Um, and... I don't want to brag, but that was one of the only categories I was good at at Jeopardy. So, <laughs> so you did really well at Jeopardy. Ugh, we don't need to talk about it. Well, I'm just saying you got every question you answered correct. That's better than a lot of people. So just Thanks. saying. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about rivers another time. So anyway, there's actually a lot of rivers that are very important to India and the mm-hmm. to this region. But the Bay of Bengal, um, it's you know, really all you need to remember is that it's India. So you have the Bengal tiger, which is native to India and you could think of it that way. The Andaman Sea. um, So that's a body of water to the southeast of the Bay of Bengal. Um, It's south of Burma, west of Thailand, northwest of the Malay Peninsula. And um, it is east of the Andaman Islands, which are part of India. So Mm. it's its own sea. Um, You'll have the Arabian Sea. Um, So that's a region of the Northern Indian Ocean. Um, 
It has the Indian Peninsula to the west. It has Somalia and the Arabian Peninsula, um, as well as Pakistan and Iran, the Maldives. So historically, it's been known by other names. So it's also been called the Persian Sea and the Erythranian Sea. That's a word. That's a great word. Um, If you are picturing like what we call the Middle East. Okay. There's a lot of bodies of water around there that have been sure. very important. So the Gulf of Aden, so that's um, part of, it's a Gulf of the Arabian Sea. Um, it's between Yemen um, and it has also has Somalia and the Horn of Africa to its other border. So Yemen actually used to be called Aden, A-D-E-N. Okay. So when you see terms like that, you can kind of, you know, you a- just kind of to automatically Yemen. associate it. You also have the Gulf of Oman. Mm. So that's um, a strait. It's not actually a gulf, though it's called a gulf. I don't know. <laughs> These people. Yeah. Um, so um, the Gulf of Oman connects the Arabian Sea with the Strait of Hormuz, which then runs to the Persian Gulf. So it borders Iran, um, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. The Persian Gulf, which, you know, everybody oh, yeah. has heard of. Um, it's the Mediterranean Sea, meaning it is Inland. You know, inland sea, exactly, in Western Asia. So um, it's an extension of the Indian Ocean through the Strait of Hormuz, and it lines between Iran to the northeast and the Arabian Peninsula to the southwest. Okay. Okay, I'm still in this area. No, Sorry. that's fine. You Major area Red of conflict. Sea. Red Sea. You know, part of the Red you've heard sea. of the Red Sea. Yes. Um, it's a seawater inlet of the Indian Ocean. It lies between Africa and Asia. So the connection to the ocean is in the south through the Bab el-Mandeb Strait and the Gulf of Aden. And on the African side, you have Egypt and Eritrea. And on the Asian side, you have the Sinai Peninsula. So that's like part of Egypt. And that's actually the only part of Egypt that is in Asia is the Sinai Peninsula. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also have Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And the Red Sea is the world's northernmost tropical sea. Oh, it's a tropical sea. It's a tropical sea. sea. There's a lot of really cool fish there. Get out of here. Yeah. Huh. What a it's thing. also like right at the equator. Which oh, yeah, I that's guess true. It's it very tropical. warm there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Huh. I guess I never thought about that. You know, you think deserts there. You don't really yeah. think like seas and oceans. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one near Africa that I wanted to mention was the Mozambique Channel. So that's an arm of the Indian Ocean between Madagascar and Mozambique on inland Africa. And it was actually a World War II clash point. Really? And there was a Battle of Madagascar. I didn't know that. I, I didn't should really either. learn more about World War II history. We'll, we'll do um, an episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just keep, like, if anybody has, like, a running tally, if anybody likes this enough and has, like, a running tally of, like, all the topics we've mentioned that we would talk about later, <laughs> I'd be afraid us. to look at it. Yeah. Because we don't write this down. Yeah. We don't. We really should. Or have someone else write it down. We should get an intern. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we should do a call out for an intern. We'll do that eventually. <laughs> Cremerica Industries. Yes. Um, and then I just wanted to mention the seas of the Pacific Ocean. Okay. So near America, you have the Bering Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a deep water basin, rises through a narrow slope into the shallower water above the continental shelves. Um, it's separated from the Gulf of Alaska by the Alaska Peninsula. It covers 770,000 square miles and is bordered on the east and northeast by Alaska, on the west by the Russian Far Sea and the Kamchatka Peninsula, and on the south by the Alaskan Peninsula in the Aleutian Islands. Um, so so the Bering Sea, it's by the Bering Strait, which is that part that connects North America to um, Russia yes. that way. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, near Asia and Oceania, you have the Coral Sea, which is a marginal sea of the South Pacific off the northeast coast of Australia. It's classified as an interim Australian bioregion. So the Coral Sea extends about 1,200 miles down the Australian northeast coast. So it's bounded by the west by the east coast of Queensland. It includes the Great Barrier Reef, um, which is the world's largest reef system. So um, yeah, that's what you need to know. The Great Group Barrier Reef is yeah. located in the Coral Sea. Coral Sea. Okay, that makes sense because there's coral there, at yeah. least for now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it like, as of last year, they were like, it's dead. Well, they thought it was dead, but then I just recently saw a National Geographic thing where they were like, oh, it's more, like it's it's regenerating, just not as quickly as it's bleaching. Mm. So it's not a total loss, but, I mean, like the Great Barrier Reef yeah. is still like, alive but there's parts of it that are like getting bleached but it's regenerating as on its own in a certain way okay yeah i mean you know we're rooting for you great barrier you can do it we believe in you hashtag hashtag prayers for (laughs) gbr hashtag thoughts and prayers for the great barrier reef we love you mate (laughs) i i can't do an australian accent can you that was it. That was, that was it. all I Might. got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's better than me. Um, some a couple of misnomers. These are mm. these are also important to know. So there are some salt lakes that have sea in their official name. Okay. So um, if a body water is labeled a sea, then international traffic must be allowed through it. Um, oh. If it's actually just a salt lake that has sea in the name, then there's not a requirement for international travel, and this can kind of be problematic. Okay. Maybe not so much like these days, like you know who owns yeah. what water or whatever. But back in the day, you probably could have got. Yeah, cannonballed you, real easily if you were traveling through a place that you weren't supposed to be. Yeah, I never thought about that, but you're yeah. right. Huh. What a thing. So the Aral Sea, A-R-A-L, okay. it was an endorheic lake, meaning it was a basin that didn't have any outflows. So it was like water would come into it, okay. but there wasn't supposed to be a way for it to, to like, like flow leave. out. Yeah. So... Um, it was this type of lake between Kazakhstan in the north and Uzbekistan in the south. So the name actually, the name Aral Sea actually roughly translates to Sea of Islands, meaning that oh. there were over 1,100 islands that once dotted its waters. So um, it's, you know, it's basically by all the Russian stands. So you got Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Get it. and Iran. Um, so... It was formerly one of the four largest lakes in the world. It had about 26,000 square miles. Um, it has been shrinking since at least 1850. And by 1997, it had declined to 10% of its original size. Get out of here. Yeah. So um, it basically split into like four lakes that still exist. So the North Aral Sea, uh, South Aral Sea, and one like smaller intermediate lake. By 2009, the Southeastern Lake had completely disappeared and the Southwestern Lake had retreated to just a thin strip at the Western edge of the former sea. So satellite images taken from NASA um, in August 2014 revealed that for the first time in modern history, the Eastern Basin had completely dried up and it is now referred to as the Aralcum Desert. So, so this used to be a big, big, big lake. Oh my gosh. One of the four largest in the world and it had 1100 islands in it. And now it's like, now it's now, now parts it's of nothing. it is desert. So it's, why? And they because, don't know why. Oh, they don't, they don't know, know why. why. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. The great, 
The Great Mystery of the Aral Sea. Yeah. Ooh. <sighs> I'm going to do some research. Yeah. I'm excited crack, about this now. Crack, crack report was on the case. I'm going to crack the code of the Aral Sea. It's probably something really boring. <laughs> like, it's very sciencey. I'm climate sure. Climate change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, have you heard of the Caspian Sea? Oh yeah, I certainly so have. So that is the largest enclosed inland body of water on Earth. It is variously classed as the world's largest lake or as like uh, the world's largest inland sea. Sure. So it is also an endorheic basin located between Europe and Asia. It's bounded by Kazakhstan in the Northeast, Russia to the Northwest, Azerbaijan, Iran, and Turkmenistan. So um, all you need to know is that it's the, the world's largest lake is actually the Caspian Sea. Cool. Great. There's also a C.S. Lewis book called Prince Caspian. Yes. I'm sure he was named after the Caspian Sea because that sounds righteous. It sounds, yeah. It sounds, it sounds cool. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a ancient... You know, definitely. Yeah. Um, you have the Dead Sea. We know yeah, it's this. Certainly, it's dead, a Salt yeah. Lake bordered by Jordan to the east and Israel and Palestine to the west. Um, so it's about fourteen hundred feet below sea level. It is Earth's lowest elevation on land. So um, the Dead Sea is about is about a thousand feet deep. It's the deepest hypersaline lake in the world. It is a salinity of three hundred forty-two grams per kilogram, or about thirty-four point two percent. So it's about nine point six times as salty as the, like the world's ocean. Wow! And is one of the world's saltiest bodies. Yeah, water. and apparently you're very buoyant in the Dead yeah. Sea. Like you cannot. <laughs> it would be cool to do that. I you guess. can't like dive Hold down around. to the bottom. It's just too much. Yeah. that is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. There is a freshwater lake called the Get the Sea of Galilee. Ooh, okay, which yeah, yeah. Our our Bible heads would know. I don't. Our bi- what do you Bible <laughs> heads? <laughs> Shout out to all our Bible heads out there. <laughs> so the Sea of Galilee is a freshwater lake in Israel. Um, it's the lowest freshwater lake on Earth and the second lowest lake in the world. So, Sea of Galilee, not a sea. It's a freshwater lake. They probably just like called it a sea because it looked it was big. real big. Yeah. yeah. Um, some, uh, I'm getting into the home stretch, I promise. No, so please. some major canals, because we well, can't really talk about oceans without talking about canals. No, because they connect them. So you have the Panama Canal. Of course. Of course. So that's the artificial 48 mile waterway in Panama that connects the Atlantic Ocean with the Pacific Ocean. Um, the canal cuts across the Isthmus of Panama and it is a key conduit for international maritime trade. So France began work on the canal in 1881, but stopped due to an engineering like problem and a high mortality rate of their workers. Whatever. You know. Um, but the U.S. took over the project in 1904, opened the canal on august 15th 1914 and um as of today it takes about six to eight hours to fully pass through the panama canal that's pretty good that's short yeah. instead of having to go all oh, the yeah. way around south america and, and then where all, the all those sea up. monsters are and the and penguins yeah they could they could really do some harm to your yeah. ship it gets cold it gets warm and then cold and then it gets warm again because <laughs> of the equator yeah. Yeah. So six to eight hours. That's all it takes nowadays. Yeah, that's nice. Smart. The Suez Canal, okay. another major canal. Uh, so that's an artificial sea level waterway in Egypt connecting the Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea through the Isthmus of Suez. So it was constructed by the Suez Canal Company between 1859 and 1869, officially opened November 17th, 1869. Uh, the canal offers watercraft a shorter journey between the North Atlantic and the Northern Indian Oceans mm. um, this way. So um, it actually reduces what would have been the old journey time by about 4,300 miles. 
uh there was like that big like 1956 international crisis around the suez canal you know we could talk about that another time um basically egypt seized control of it from its french and british owners sure and that was like that, that was, was like a big, big deal. deal um lester pearson a canadian he won the no- 1957 nobel peace prize for helping to defuse the um oh you know the suez canal crisis that's good so, to know hmm. and then finally the keel canal k-i-e-l it is the busiest artificial waterway in the world it connects the baltic and north seas so it's um kind of like Germany kind of gets you to um, from the Baltic re- the Baltic Sea to the North Sea, and it's like thousands and thousands of ships pass through it every day. Wow! Yeah, I thought you were going to say the busiest canal is the Erie Canal, but uh, that's that's not true anymore. Well, not too many of us have mules anymore, <laughs> or any reason to go from uh, the St. Lawrence to Lake Erie and back. I was trying to think of like some of the lyrics to the song. Too. It's like. Uh, <sighs> So 15 miles on the Erie Canal. Uh-huh. Um, you got your uh, your mule, your good old mule. Her Named name is Sal. Sal. Yeah. Uh, she's a good old partner and a good old pal. Mm-hmm. 15 miles on the Erie Canal. <laughs> now, there is, I grew up near the Erie Canal, full disclosure, in Lockport, New like York. Like it was in your backyard. It was literally my backyard. We used to walk up and down on the towpath um, on the Erie Canal, and they drained it every winter. And then we knew it was springtime when the, the canal was suddenly full of water. Ooh. And we were like, hooray, warm weather is here. Um, but there is a, there's a canal like tour boat uh-huh. that goes from Lockport and they go down a couple of miles and the entire, like on the way down to where you go to the lock, you go through the lock and mm-hmm. the guide gives you the tour. He goes over the loudspeaker. He's like, this is this and blah, blah, blah. And like 1850, blah, blah, blah. And then on the way back, because you're seeing all the same stuff. Yeah. He just hits play on a, like a tape from like 1977 and it's just the song 15 miles on the Erie canal on loop for oh, an hour and a no. half and it is torture it's torture wow so we should do it we should go <laughs> <laughs> i mean i did this when i was like in eighth grade so maybe they don't do it anymore maybe they now upgraded their technology now it's a cd of the same yeah. thing and it was like all shaky like yeah. yeah it's really great and it was at full blast oh you're it's given you such a tolerance for, for other things in your have life. I, has it? It's I actually know. like reduced my tolerance. I'm very impatient <laughs> with thing, repetitive things. But oh, yeah. No, the Erie Canal is not does not link any seas or mm. oceans. So, which is why I'm not covering it today. But no, that's fine. I'm that's happy totally to fine. talk about it at a later date. Yeah, we'll we'll devote an entire mm. epi- you know what two episodes <gasps> to the Erie Canal. <laughs> yeah, write that down. <laughs> write that down because we certainly won't. <laughs> Final bonus facts about the oceans. Ready? Woo! UNESCO estimates that worldwide there are over 3 million shipwrecks, some <gasps> thousands of years old, on the floors of the seas and oceans. That's cool. 3 million shipwrecks. Uh, according to NASA, we have better maps of the surface of Mars and the moon than we do the bottom of the ocean. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Also, the biggest waterfall on Earth is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. What? Okay. All right. <laughs> what? So the Denmark what? Strait, 
the Denmark Strait. It's a waterfall below the Atlantic Ocean that in terms of water volume is the equivalent of 2,000 of the world's most notable waterfalls. It is cascading liquid pouring 11,500 feet down. So the Strait's cold water is on the east side. It's more dense than the warm water coming in from the west. And so when they mix, the colder water sinks, creating an actual waterfall. So like aerial images, you can see where this happens. Get out of here. That blows my mind. It's like the lake at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. Like the density. Yeah. There are also, yes, there are lakes and rivers at the bottom of the ocean. I don't want to talk about that today because I don't know how they work. No, it's okay. (laughs) It's something about the density. I don't know either. Yeah. And like stuff dies in it if they go in. And there's like, there was a clip for Planet Earth 2, not that we're Mm. sponsored by Planet Earth 2, but they talk about, um, they showed like an eel (laughs) on the surface of Uh the lake at the bottom of the ocean. And sometimes they like, they like dive down into it to like get dead animals and things, but they can't be down there for too long because then they'll die. (gasps) But one, they show him, he goes in and then um, uh, David Attenborough David Attenborough yeah. is like, oh, be careful. Like, he's like, he better get up soon. I don't know why I gave him like a Cockney accent. The man's like very high, like London wow. British. Anyway, and then the eel gets up and he's all like twisty, twisty, twisty. Like he's having like a, like a little seizure. Like and you're like, oh no, oh. eel, get you together. And then he, he does, he was like, whoo, like shakes it off and goes to the shore of the lake at the bottom Jeez. of the ocean. It is so freaky. Wow. Anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> the biggest waterfall on Earth is actually in the Atlantic Ocean. I cannot ocean. believe there's a waterfall in the ocean. Yeah. The Denmark Strait. Oh, my gosh. It's really cool. So Crazy. I talked your ear off. That's, uh, that's a, lot no. of, a lot of ocean and sea That was interesting. Words. Don't ever apologize for good information, okay. Julia. That was very good. Great. Thank you. So now it's time for a quiz called The Wet Bandits. <laughs> it's a quiz on liquids and famous heists. Yes. Question one. Only two natural elements are in a liquid state at room temperature. Mercury and what red-brown halogen that might not be out of place at a frat house? Question two. It seems like everyone is familiar with the unsolved tale of mystery man D.B. Cooper, who hijacked a flight in 1971 and disappeared with his requested ransom of $200,000. What airline operated the plane from which the legendary D.B. Cooper jumped mid-flight? Question three, a renowned Kentucky distillery releases about 7,000 cases of its rare limited edition bourbon each year. Watch out. It just might put you to sleep for 20 years. What is the name of their flagship bourbon line whose bottles routinely sell for up to $5,000? Question four, in the early morning hours of March 18, 1990, a pair of thieves disguised as Boston police officers gained entry to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum and stole 13 works of art. Among the purloined paintings was The Concert, one of only 34 known works by which Dutch master of pigments and light? Question 5. Speaking of expensive liquids, each year scientists race to harvest the blood from hundreds of thousands of what marine arthropod whose blood does not contain hemoglobin? Question 6. The perpetrators of England's great train robbery in 1963 got away with 2.6 million pounds from a Royal Mail train heading from Glasgow to London. During the ensuing manhunt, the robbers holed up in a farmhouse and played what board game using their loot in place of some of the game box's original components? Question 7. Picture it. Boston, 1919. 
a large storage tank containing what sticky substance burst, causing a 40-foot-high wave moving through the streets at 35 miles an hour, ultimately killing 21 people and injuring 150 others? Question 8. The 1978 Lufthansa heist, a robbery at New York's JFK airport, netted the thieves nearly $6 million in cash and jewelry. After the crime's mastermind became increasingly paranoid about the greedy collaborators who knew of his involvement, many of his associates were predictably brutally killed. One wise guy surrendered and entered the Witness to Protection program, and his life story became the basis for an award-winning 1990 film, named both that mobster-turned-informant and the movie that featured this event as a major plot point. Question 9, a dreaded math question. How many U.S. customary cups are in a U.S. liquid gallon? And question 10, what is the alliterative cinematic name given to the still-at-large International Ring of Jewel Thieves by Interpol, responsible for what have been considered some of the most glamorous heists ever? I'll give you about a minute to think, and then we'll be back with your answers. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor early in the morning? Way hey, and up she rises, way hey, and up she rises, way hey, and up she rises early in the morning. Shave his belly with a rusty razor, shave his belly with a rusty razor, shave his belly with a rusty razor early in the morning. Way hey, and up she rises, way hey, and up she rises, way hey, and up she rises early in the morning. We'll put him in a longboat till he's sober, put him in a longboat till he's sober, put him in a longboat till he's sober. I'm feeling pretty good about this. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Question one. Only two natural elements are in a liquid state at room temperature, mercury, and what red-brown halogen that might not be out of place at a frat house? Is it neon? It's bromine. Bromine. Oh, bromine. Bromine. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So um, it's actually fairly rare, but it was used in early photographic processes as an additive to gasoline and in the dye for the color Tyrian purple. Oh, Um, Elemental bromine is toxic and it causes chemical burns on human flesh. So that's why it's like... We don't really use it that much anymore. Yeah. But it is one of the only two elements that is liquid at room temperature. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, question two, D.B. Cooper. Uh, what airline operated the plane from which he jumped mid-flight? Is, was it TWA? It's uh, Northwest Airlines. Oh, okay. Or Northwest Orient Airlines. Oh. So um, shortly after takeoff from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaefer, who was a nearby flight attendant. Uh, she assumed that the note that he handed her contained like his phone number, like a lonely businessman's phone number. Sure. And so she dropped it into her purse without opening it. And Cooper leaned toward her and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. So his demands were $200,000 in negotiable American currency, as well as four parachutes and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft when it arrived. So the plane, it like circled the Seattle airport for like two hours, um, like while the FBI got like his demands together, together. yeah. yeah. Um, so they had to like get it from a bunch of different banks. Um, they had ten thousand unmarked twenty dollar bills, and they actually made a microfilm photograph of each of them. Oh wow! So okay. that like they would know what the serial numbers were. 
on each of the bills. Um, so once the delivery was completed, Cooper permitted all the passengers and two crew members to leave the plane. So um, during refueling, he outlined his flight plan to the cockpit crew. He wanted them to take a southeast course toward Mexico City um, with at the like minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. So after taking off, he ordered the remaining crew into the cockpit and he likely jumped from the plane a, a shortly after 8 p.m. No one saw him jump, but they guessed it was somewhere near Mount St. Helens in Washington state. So the FBI speculated from the beginning that he did not survive the jump, yeah. um, and they, but they searched for him and the ransom money for years. Um, in February 1980, eight-year-old Brian Ingram, um, who was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River, he uncovered three packets of the ransom cash on the Sandy River Bank there. Mm -hmm. So um, the bills were significantly disintegrated, but they were still bundled in rubber bands. And the FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. Um, so the case still remains open. It's oh so gosh. cool. Like That's such a cool... Uh, it's a great yeah. story. I, I do agree. I think that he probably died, especially since they found so much of the cash. And it yeah. wasn't... From what I remember, it wasn't like hidden. It was just like yeah. on the shores of and that. And it was... um it, it just like parts of the story are like a lot of it seemed like he was very familiar with airplanes. Yes. He was very familiar with like um, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he wanted to... You know, he asked for parachutes. He wanted like a backup parachute. Yeah. So like he knew what... He seemed to know what he was doing. Was like. Yeah. But he jumped in the middle of the night in the dark over like the forests and like, yeah. the, you know, the most densely forested area that you could have possibly jumped out yeah, of. Exactly. It, it, I don't know. It's, he, a, he it's a cool story, survive, but it's, it is, it's a great story. Yeah. Northwest airlines, everybody wow. Northwest NWA, not yes. TWA. Is there such thing as TWA? TWA is, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, Northwest well, got bought by Delta a couple years ago, oh, okay. but yeah, yeah. I think TWA probably went under like after a couple of those plane crashes. Yeah. Uh, question three, a renowned Kentucky distiller, um, releases about 7,000 cases of its rare limited edition bourbon each year. Uh, but watch out. It might put you to sleep for 20 years. What's the name of their flagship bourbon line? We were just talking about mm -hmm. this, weren't we? It's Pappy Van Winkle. It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the official name of the bottle is Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve. So there are sites online where people track where they've been able to try a pour of it. Um, oh. usually between like $25 and like $200, like per pour. Per like pour. pour, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. It's supposed to be the most amazing bourbon you've ever it better, had in your life or whatever. It better clear up my skin, <laughs> do my taxes, make me see God. Drop 10 pounds instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Give me um, bigger boobs. I better look <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And uh, kind of related to both um, liquids and heists, um, Gilbert and Julia Kurtzinger stole around $100,000 in whiskey from 2008 to 2015. So their total heist included 17 barrels of bourbon and 20 cases of Pappy Van Winkle. And kind of the worst part of the story is a lot of the bourbon had to be destroyed after it was found what? in 2015. Because, oh, because it was like evidence. Been, yeah. Uh, or it yeah. was like, you know, they didn't know if it had been tampered with or whatever. So um, I'm sure there were lots of sommeliers crying. Oh, all over. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, boy. Um, also, buyer beware. There are empty bottles of Pappy that have turned up on eBay at s extravagant prices. Um, and it's turned out a lot of them are being recycled, refilled with counterfeit bourbon and sold as true Pappy. So Interesting. watch out. Get it from the source. Yeah. Uh, question four. In the early morning hours of March 18, 1990, a pair of thieves disguised as Boston police officers gained entry to the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum. They stole 13 works of art. Among the paintings was The Concert, one of only 34 known works by which Dutch master of pigments and light? 
That is Vermeer. It is Johann Ver- Johannes Vermeer. Johannes Vermeer. So the concert alone is um, estimated to be worth about $200 million. Oh the total worth of the stolen pieces has been estimated at about $500 million, making the robbery the single greatest property theft in world history. God and the Isabel Stewart Gardner. Were we talking about this the other yeah. day? The Isabel Stewart Gardner. I, I always forget who I talk to. Um, I only talk to like four people at a time. I don't know why I think I get confused. Um, I was there in two thousand nine, mm. and it is it's surprising how heartbreaking it is yeah. to see the empty frames because they left the frames mm-hmm. up. They actually cut the paintings out of the frames. They didn't actually yes. remove it wholesale from the wall. Yeah. Um, and it is very, as an art historian, it was very difficult to mm. see, especially since Vermeer. Um, yeah. It's so luminous to see mm. in person. Oh my goodness. It's incredible. But <sighs> people are dicks. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, question five. Speaking of expensive liquids, each year scientists race to harvest the blood from hundreds of thousands of what marine arthropod whose blood does not contain hemoglobin? That is a... Um, crab. Hold on. It's a something crab. Uh-huh. It is a, I can picture it. Mm. I can see them in lines and yeah. they're being drained of their blood like in like some crazy sci-fi movie. Uh-huh. It's going to make me crazy. It is a hermit crab. No, no. it is a, <laughs> just tell me. A horseshoe crab. A horseshoe crab. Yeah. It's a horseshoe crab. Yeah. So the cost of horseshoe crab blood, which is blue, again, it has been quoted as high as $14,000 per quart. So that's like $56,000 per gallon. So amoebocytes from their blood are used for the detection of bacterial endotoxins in medical applications. Yes. So this is why they're, it's mostly used for like medical testing. Yeah. Um, so the, the blood is extracted from these um, horseshoe crabs and then they are released back into the ocean. Oh, okay. So they're yeah, not, they they're don't not kill killed. Them. They I mean, just probably kinda... some of them like incidentally die, but it's not Those like are the a... weak ones. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're like accidentally breeding this like yeah, super, super race of <laughs> horseshoe crabs. Giant they're horseshoe gonna rise crabs up against rising us. out of the ocean. Ah, and we're like, no, no. what have we what done? Have we done? <laughs> <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you scientists. Yeah. You just be on the lookout. Yeah. For giant, <laughs> raging, angry, vengeful horseshoe crabs. Uh, question six. The perpetrators of England's great train robbery. Um, during the ensuing mount hunt, the robbers holed up in a farmhouse and played what board game using their loot in place of some of the game box's original components? I don't know. I'm assuming it's Monopoly. It is Monopoly. It is Monopoly. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah. So the the game? Yeah. The the Monopoly? Yeah. Oh, it's from 1935. When was the Great Train Robbery? 1963. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to that. I thought you said 1863. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, I you know you. what I mean. You yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so um, they actually ended up keeping like that game box, like one oh, of really? the guys that did the robbery, and some of the items from that very game, including a get-out-of-jail-free card and another community chess card, as well as a dice and three metal playing tokens, including, ironically, a train, oh. uh, went up for sale at an auction in June 2015. So oh, it's man. pretty funny. A famous game of Monopoly. <laughs> famous robber game of Monopoly. Uh, question seven. Picture it. Boston 1919. 
a large storage tank containing what sticky substance burst, causing a 40-foot-high wave moving through the streets at 35 miles an hour, ultimately killing 21 people and injuring another 150. That was molasses, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Could you even imagine? Yeah. You're walking down the streets in Boston. You're like, ooh, it's warm today. I'm going to go. I think I might get some milk. What's that? What is that I see? And then in the distance, what what could you possibly... You wouldn't think it was molasses, you know? Yeah. End of days. End of days. You would be like, that's it. Repent. It's over. (laughs) So... I, I mean, it's very hard for us to picture with our modern eyeballs, okay? <laughs> so it was a big storage tank that had been used like at a distillery and um, it, you know, was shoddily constructed. Sure. And it collapsed. So the molasses wave that was that had been stored in this container, it was a f- sufficient force to damage the girders of the adjacent uh, Boston Elevated Railway. What? At the Atlantic Avenue structure. Um, it damaged nearby buildings, which were swept off of their foundations and crushed. Oh, my God. Several blocks were flooded to two to three feet deep of molasses. Oh. Uh, cleanup crews used salt water from a fireboat to wash the molasses away, and they tried to use sand to also absorb it. And rescue workers, cleanup crews, and sightseers had actually tracked molasses through the streets and spread it to subway platforms, seats inside trains and streetcars, pay phones to houses and countless other places oh my god and people just said that everything a bostonian touched was sticky for years oh my god yeah and molasses is not a pleasant smelling substance yeah it's really like treacle and yeah yeah it has like a mm -hmm. it doesn't smell sweet it smells gross it smells like a little burn yeah burned and like yeah it's hard to describe yeah and also i can see how it like would destroy things Mm -hmm. because it's also very dense yes it's uh yeah it's not like a like I wouldn't call it a liquid I would call it like a viscous substance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So being like smothered by that would be really yeah. how many did people die? 21 people died, Lauren. Oh my I God. said it in the question. I know I really don't paying attention. No. <laughs> 21 people died and 150 more were injured. Can you imagine like what happened to grandma? She died in the molasses. <laughs> the great molasses. The great molasses in 1919. Oh my god. Coming up on the 100 year anniversary. Oh man, we should go when we're in Boston, when we're in for, Boston, we'll, uh, Geek Bowl, we'll we will go and pay homage. <gasps> we'll give, <laughs> we'll sacrifice some some, some gingerbread cookies, some gingerbread cookies to the molasses gods, <laughs> and leave some flowers. Uh, oh my god! Question eight: The nineteen seventy eight Lufthansa heist. Um, one wise guy surrendered and entered the witness protection program, and his life story became the basis for an award-winning nineteen ninety film. Name both that mobster turned informant and the movie that featured this event as a major plot point. And Are you shaking a, your head? I I'm trying to remember. That's why I'm shaking. Okay. I'm not like no, you're yeah, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm the. Uh, is it Whitey Bulger? No. no. Can you name the movie? I can't name the movie. All, all I have in my head is Whitey Bulger and The Departed. And that's not no. it. Yeah. It's Henry Hill and Goodfellas. Oh, I didn't see Goodfellas. <gasps> I know. I know. You're the worst Italian person I've ever met. Are you kidding me? I've seen How Godfather like four times. have never Goodfellas? I know. It's bad. Anyway. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. Anyway. So uh, the theft's magnitude actually made it one of the longest investigated crimes in the United States. And the latest arrest associated with this was actually made in 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe you have seen it. I know. I got to see it. Question nine. Dreaded math question. How many U.S. customary cups are in a U.S. liquid gallon? I'm going to say eight. No. Twelve. No. 
It's an eight. <laughs> it's 16. Oh, damn. I was closer there to 12. There are eight ounces in a cup, and there are 128 ounces in a liquid gallon. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. And finally, question 10. What is the alliterative cinematic name given to the still at large international ring of jewel thieves given to them by Interpol responsible for what has been considered some of the most glamorous heists ever? It's not the bling ring, is it? No, no. it's not. That fits. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think all of them got caught, didn't yeah. they? It was yeah. like a bunch of teens that yeah, were breaking into people's was, houses. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was kind of rooting for them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are the Pink Panthers. Oh. So in 2003, the gang first came to Interpol's attention um, when they stole a uh, half a million pound diamond from a jeweler in the Mayfair area of central London. So they hid the diamond in a jar of face cream, which <gasps> mimicked an act seen in the film, The Return of the Pink Panther. Oh, okay. And uh, prior to one 2008 Dubai robbery, eight gang members drove a pair of Audis through a window, taking watches and other items um, that was another worth another eight million pounds. And that same year, four gang members dressed themselves up as women before breaking into France's Harry Winston jewelers in Paris. Oh, wow. So yeah, they, they, they have uh, made some headlines. It's, yeah. it's like a gang of, of jewel thieves from like Eastern Europe. Oh, okay. yeah. The pink Panthers Speaking, still at large. That's, that's interesting. Speaking of jewel thieves, mm-hmm. the oceans eight trailer. <laughs> oh yeah. Which I'm, which my wig was snatched. <laughs> Because I was so into it. <laughs> so did we talk about this the last time? No. Julia texted me one morning. I'm getting ready for work. And she goes, Lauren, what does it mean my wig is snatched? <laughs> because people on the internet are talking about it as uh, something to do with the Ocean's 8 trailer. And I don't know what's going on. So I'm just. I'm just so Lauren laid it out for me. I laid it out for her. It just means it's a drag thing. It just means I'm shocked. I'm, I've been taken by surprise. <laughs> I'm exposed, uh, but it looks really good. Yeah, I'm really pumped for that. it. Yeah, and, and Sandra- speaking of oceans, oh yeah, it all ties it all right oh back. Oh my gosh, I did not even mm. do that on purpose. And Sandra Bullock looks great. They all do. Oh, I know. Yeah, Man. it'll be awesome. A little refresher every so often. Oh. A skin refresher. So that was my quiz. Oh, sorry. and all of my words on oceans and seas. That was great. That was very interesting. I learned a lot. I'm glad. I will have to re-listen. I'll have to listen to this when we, so that I can remember all this stuff. And re Adrian. <laughs> the Adriatic Sea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, good. So, uh, yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, as always, you can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and whatever podcast app you prefer with our RSS feed. Yes. Please rate, review, subscribe. It is our 25th episode. <gasps> 25 episodes. You've been with us for 25 episodes. Thank you. It's like you. a silver anniversary. It is. Ooh, I should have brought you something. Eh. Eh. We just had Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can get us at Twitter at MissInfoPod. You can email us at MissInfoPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook. We are Misinformation colon a trivia podcast. Please look for our pink logo as our ID photo. Um, is there another place where we're oh, at? Website. Oh, we have our website. <laughs> triple oh. dub. Triple dub dot MissInfoPod.com. Uh, please get in touch with us. We did get a very lovely email oh, yeah. from Sarah in Buffalo who emailed us and gave us some, some interesting info. And uh, thanks for listening to us, Sarah. Yeah, It's so, it's so cool to get a, an email from a fan <laughs> or, you know, it's just somebody who listens to us. We're, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to be so presumptuous <laughs> as to say you're a fan, Sarah. I'm not going to put that on you. 
Um, but thank you so much for getting in contact with us and be like Sarah, send us an email. Yeah. Hey. We, we love to hear from you. Yes. So everyone, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.